0: Okay, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 38 today. And Genesis chapter 38 is an interesting chapter, and the reason I say that is because it's been labeled by many pastors and also labeled by Bible scholars as one of the worst books or chapters, I should say, in the Bible. And what I mean by that is because of the content of what we're going to be reading. Now, if you were following along in Genesis chapter 36 and 37, I'm sure one would think that how can it get any worse? considering the fact that chapter 37 gave the account of of Jacob the second youngest of the 12 brothers the, the the 12 tribes of Israel right here here we have Joseph who was favored by their father Jacob who we know now as Israel was sent to go look for his brothers quite a few miles away from home somewhere close to about almost a 100 miles away from home they were out there um, uh, taking care of some uh, errands, if you will. So uh, Joseph went out to seek them. But you see, in the previous chapter, Joseph exposed some stuff that they didn't like to hear. What they heard was is that Joseph was going to be the leader amongst them, that God had given him a dream, that he was going to be a leader, and, and he was also going to be a leader amongst them. He was going to be something very important. And at the time, right now, we're speaking of him at 17 years old. His brothers didn't like what they heard. So when Jacob sent Joseph to go find his brothers, he finally had caught up with them. And they saw him and they said, oh, there's the dreamer. Let's go ahead and kill him. Well, they basically, one of the brothers, I believe it was Reuben, who was the oldest, said, no, let's not do that. Or it was possibly even Judah that said, let let us not kill him. Okay, let's, let's not do that. So what they did was they took him, they took off his robe of, of the multiple colors that the father gave him, stripped him of the robe and threw him inside of a pit. And as they were all sitting around the area, they were eating dinner together, and as they looked up, a group of Ishmaelites of the Middle East came coming came riding by. So instead of killing him, they decided to go ahead and sell their brother to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites purchase Joseph, and they take him to Egypt. So what they do, they basically took his tunic, his coat of many colors, they killed a goat, and they, and they dipped the coat inside of the blood And then they came back with it and said that this belongs to Joseph and he was devoured by a wild animal. Now again, Joseph was the favorite of the children and so Jacob, the father, was unconsolable. And he said that he was going to continue to be that until the day he died because of the love that he had for his son. But he had no idea that he was thrown into a pit. He had no idea that he was being taken captive as a slave to now be inhabiting in Egypt. No idea. But in this case here, chapter 38 of where we're going to, this is going to have to do with the son by the name of Judah. And Judah was a very important person uh, as as of the tribe leader he was named after the the southern region of israel he was also the 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 founder of the tribe that king david came from and the most important person of all our lord and savior christ jesus so we have judah this this tribe founder that's going to get himself into some interesting scenarios here in in this particular chapter and yet it was considered one of the worst in the bible now if you've ever read the whole bible There there is some pretty uh some pretty hairy stuff from time to time. But again, this here you have to think to yourself, like, why would this even be in here? Well, because God is the most honest (laughs) that you will ever meet. His word is inerrant and it is completely a hundred percent truth. Nothing was hidden, okay? No punches were pulled. He said exactly what he said he was going to do. He did what he was going to do, and he allowed every event that ever happened to be shown in here for what it was. And so, which is why, again, if you are a, if you are again a Christian, if you're a Bible student, it's important for us to see these things because he made it known to us. He made it known to us because of truth. And, and I'd like to think that he made it known to us for the sake of prevention as well. For the sake of, of preventing of ever happening of, of, of these things in our lives. Because if once we read it, we're going to see that, that these things still exist. This isn't just ancient literature. These were true accounts that still exist today. So I truly and solely believe Again, that God allowed us to see these things for the sake of, of seeing what happened, how things came, and what he wants us to do and not to do. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in chapter 38 as we get started in verses 1 through 8. Now it came to pass at that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adulamite whose name was Harah. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. And he married her and went into her. So she conceived and bore a son and he called his name Ur. She conceived again and bore a son and she called his name Onan. And she conceived yet again and bore a son and called his name Shelah. He was the Chezeb when she born him. Then Judah took a wife for his firstborn, And her name was Tamar. But Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord killed him. And Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and marry her, and raise up an heir to your brother. So Judah in this chapter gives the the account of his own falling and demise. As in the previous chapter, he suggested in the selling of his younger brother Joseph due to the jealousy of the family leadership that was to be given to Joseph. But interesting enough here, Judah marries a Canaanite woman, which his great-grandfather and his grandfather and his father were adamant about staying clear of Canaanites. Uh, The culture of the Canaanites were extremely wicked. Uh, They worshipped false gods of different sorts, which, which led them to practices that were absolutely horrible. Horrible to even some people that don't follow God. And so we have Judah, who had three sons... And one of them was wicked to the point where God actually took his life. Now, we don't know what he was doing, but God did and he intervened. And if God allowed this to happen, then this son must have been doing some things that were actually very horrific. You know, many people say, how can God do such a thing? Well, it's amazing because people also ask, why does God allow these horrible things to happen? It seems to be an ongoing question. When God does something about it, some people complain, but when uh, things continue to happen, others question why. So where we must be careful is where people would say that letter I, which we've heard many times, I would never have done that. I would have done it this way because God was unmerciful. Well, what people are saying is that they're more merciful than God or, or even knowing more than God, which is actually a blasphemic outlook. See, Judah knew better, but unfortunately he, he allowed the influence of an ungodly spouse. Okay, attraction of a physical uh, standpoint is normally the first cause, as was the issue that King Solomon faced. Here we have King Solomon, who had a thousand women in his household, and all it took was one for him to to uh, go astray from God when he was the wisest king in all of the of all time. So we have Judah, who had his son Onan, said have a child with his brother's wife, which would which would have um which was a way of keeping the family lineage, and and that the childless widow would have a son to continue in the inheritance which will be seen as a law in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 25 um, when we get there one day this became a law in the bible was the continue lineage so this was something that he was trying to uh, that he started from the get go see uh, arranged marriages were very common in these days and, and it still is in some parts of the world and cultures but you see Judah was not following in the statues, uh, statutes of his fathers when it came to marriage See, we must remember that whoever you choose to marry, that person will affect the rest of your life in one way, shape, or form. And Judah is experiencing that firsthand. Now, as we continue, we will see God's glorious works over man's foolish acts. (laughs) So let's take a a look here at verses 9. We're going to be looking at 9 to 14. But Onan knew that the error would not be his. And it came to pass, when he went into his brother's wife, that he emitted on the ground, lest he should give an heir to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord. Therefore he killed him also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till my son Shelah is grown. For he said, Lest he also die like his brothers. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. Now, in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went to his sheep shears at at Timnah. He and his friend Harah, the Adullamite, and it was told that Tamar saying, Look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she took off her widow's garments, covered herself with a veil, and wrapped herself and sat in an open place which was on the way to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown and she was not given to him as a wife. Now we can see why Judah was hesitant to give her over to his uh, youngest son. Uh, Basically, he was afraid of losing him too. You know, the other son which was taken was taken due to his heart of sexual desire versus that of his responsibility of the law of caring or, or childbearing to a brother's widow. You know, Shalat was the youngest, so he was probably just a boy still at this time. But then we had Judah's wife pass away. Now, granted, she was not very old either, so Judah had some hard times to deal with. You know, the wife of the other brother who passed went back to her family home. You know, quite a scenario, as Judah's way of dealing with the grief was to hang out at the sheep shearing with a pagan friend of his. You know, sheep shearing was a uh, festival-like thing uh, where many people would gather to to shear sheep while doing uh, doing so in fellowship. It was like a party uh, more than anything. I, I know some women who um, who actually like to go to knitting parties and gatherings, and they just absolutely love it. They just love it, and and they do their knitting and they talk about life and what God is doing in their lives. So Judah was looking for a way to forget about his problems. Basically, is what he was doing here. Now, as for Tamar, she started to take things into her own hands here. And what she was doing by putting on the veil and everything that she was doing was she was dressing like an ancient day temple prostitute, which again was common in Canaanite regions. Even married women did this as a worship to their gods of fertility. So women were required to take part in this as a worship to these gods and a form of sacrifice. And she put on the veil that prostitutes wore, and then she sat on the road to Timnah. So, so as each chapter that goes by, we see why God detested the ways of the ancient Canaanites. And why, from Abraham on, why his sons were not to intermarry with them. So it started from the time of Abraham. Abraham was told never to take part in, in such with Canaanites. And then from his son... He said the same thing. And then his son the same thing. They, they, they kept the, the matter alive by not taking on a Canaanite wife. But of all people, Judah went ahead and, um, and did so. So Tamar was under Judah in headship. So he determined who she would marry. So she did this on her own accord. As being a childless widow was hard to live with in any time in culture. This was not something that was taken easily. So she took it upon herself to do this. Now what's interesting is the scenario of what comes with this. Let's look at verses 15 to 23. When Judah saw her, he thought that she was a harlot because she had covered her face. Then he turned to her by the way and said, Please let me come in to you, for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. So she said, What will you give me that you may come in to me then? And he said, I will send a young goat from the flock. So she said, Will you give me a pledge till you send it? Then he said, What pledge shall I give to you? So she said, Your signet and cord and your staff that is in your hand. Then he gave them to her. And he went into her, and she conceived by him. So she arose and went away and laid aside her veil and put it on the the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the young goat by the hand of his friend, the the Adulamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he did not find her. Then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where is the harlot who was openly by the roadside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. So he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. Also the men of the place said, there was no harlot in this place. Then Judah said, let her take them for herself, lest we be ashamed, for I sent this young goat and you have not found her. So Judah's, so du- during Judah's time of mourning, as, as he was going to seek the company of his friend at the sheep-shearing, He sees a harlot, or at least what he thought was one, and decides to purchase her. Her request for payment was quite a shrewd business deal. Okay, the the bracelet, the staff, the signet. Uh, Judah was obviously mentally lost and distraught here in the form of hitting rock bottom. He gave the signet, which was a form of his actual personal identity. His bracelet was like that of showing his wealth, and the staff was was a representation of his position. Most likely, anyone else would have questioned the deal as it was unorthodox to request these things. You know, livestock was common, but one's personal property like that actually showed where his mindset was. He was concerned by not keeping his end of the bargain more than spiritual integrity. And I've asked people in, in conversations, what, what, would, what would shake your faith with God if you were to be 100% honest? And just about everyone, I asked, said that the loss of a certain loved one would do it. Spouses normally, and of course children. And this, of course, is relatable to a lot of people, because stories told of losing a family and the one remaining goes off the deep end is what typically happens. They lose everything as nothing seems to matter anymore. And when we look at Judah, we see what going off the deep end really is. You know, in the scenario of this, his widowed childless daughter-in-law is now with his child. And he has no idea that it was her behind the veil. Over years in our day in certain cultures, you know, widows normally wore black. And so she was wearing uh, two different things. And Judah was at a place of God's allowance for his doings in life here. See, God chastens those he loves. And what is chastening is, is that it's the allowing of harsh things to happen to us to bring us back on track. You know, many have wild stories of downfalls and trials and even better stories of deliverance. Uh, but as always, the Bible is a preventative to sin and, and life's downfalls. You know, there was a preacher by the name of A.W. Tozer who said, uh, he said about the Bible, he said that this book will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from this book. And so we look at that and we think to ourselves, that, well, that is completely true. When we are not engulfed in the Word of God, and when we're even more importantly not doing what the Word of God says, we are susceptible to many snares. And and so uh, things in life catch us off guard. As I said before, I've asked people to be 100% honest. What would shake your faith? And it was the loss of a loved one. So they know that there's something that would shake their faith. They know that there was something that would keep them from getting closer to God, even blaming God, and so on and so forth. You could even read the book of Job, which actually was a perfect test of those things. But Job stood faithful and true and preserved his life. God preserved his life. And I I highly recommend reading that one day because it's going to take us a little while to get there. So if you've never read the book of Job, by all means do so because it is the ultimate story of a test of faith and perseverance. But unfortunately, you know, Judah again was just like anybody else. He was chosen for something great, but he was just a mere man who suffered from from all of the same things we do today. But his scenario was very, very interesting. And it was because God allowed these things because of the things he did. So let's take a look now as we finish it up in verses 24 through 30. And it came to pass, about three months after that, Judah was told, saying, "Tomorrow your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot, furthermore she is with child by harlotry so Judah said bring her out and let her be burned when she was brought out she sent to her father-in-law saying by the man to whom these belong I am with child and he said please determine who these are the sinet and cord and staff so Judah acknowledged them and said she has been more righteous than I because I did not give her to Shalah my son and he never knew her again Now it came to pass at the time for giving birth that behold twins were in her womb. And so it was when she was giving birth that the one uh, put out his hand and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand saying this one came out first. Then it happened as he drew back his hand that his brother came out unexpectedly and she said how do you break through? This breach be upon you. Therefore his name was called Perez. Afterward, his brother came out who had the scarlet thread on his hand and his name was called Zara. As Judah was ready to throw a stone in her direction, <laughs> he now knows that it should be thrown at a mirror as he's staring back at it. My daughter-in-law did what, he said? Yes, with you and now she's with your child. So Judah recognized fault as he did not provide her with someone to keep the family line going. But there was something God was doing that no one could see at this time. You know, Judah wanted her burned, which actually later became a law in Leviticus, that if a daughter of a priest acted out in harlotry, that that would be her fate. As standards were actually set very high in the priesthood, that would happen to the daughter of a priest if she went out and did such a thing in harlotry. But what God was doing here was interesting, as Judah was, uh, who was the again the tribe and founder, and Perez could actually be found in the genealogy of our Lord Christ Jesus in the first chapter of Matthew. Now, now I'm not sure how others would view this, but it could it could be simply seen as God's grace that Judah would have the the Messiah come from his lineage. I've said before that those from the 12 tribes were not exactly the best role models. But God used them as a part of his plan. And perhaps you may think that you cannot be used by the Lord. Perhaps you may feel like you have gone too far downhill. You're in a hole too deep. Well, God's reach is never limited. But you must hold your hands up to him to be pulled up. If you're in that position, there is a hope in our Lord Jesus who died for the sins of the world and who is living and active and willing to receive anyone who asks for forgiveness of sins and asks for salvation. If you're walking with the Lord, then may these messages from God's word continue to strengthen your walk and to equip the saints. You know, when bad things happen in our life, When we rebel, God allows us to go through it as he steps away so we can see what life is like without him. And unfortunately, Judah was experiencing that as he was seeking other things. And so again, we must look at the Bible for what it's saying. When we look at society today, if society is messed up, we could actually look at it coming from the home. Uh, look at what goes on in the home. And it goes out into society. And, and what's amazing is a lot of people, they want God's blessing, but they, they don't want the relationship with Him. And so therefore, we have a catch-22 That we want to be able to do what we do and still to receive the blessings. And that's not exactly how God works. But see again, His grace and mercy is beyond any of our understanding. You know, as I've said before, when people walked, people in the Bible walked in wisdom, it always, it was always during their close walk with God. When they stopped walking in wisdom, it was because they walked away from God. And so we have what we're seeing here. Okay, wisdom in the Bible is godly wisdom. And so we need to remember to stay the course with him. So when looking at this chapter, was it one of the worst books in the Bible that you've ever heard? Oh, very well could have been. But again, God is always with us but we must draw near to him and that is again always the goal of this ministry is to teach the word of God for what it's saying and to bring those people to the Lord who don't know the Lord to continue to to equip the saints and so again there's only one way to heaven and that is through the receiving of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus It don't matter what you're going through right now. But what matters is the source that you're going to go to in order to fix the problem. If you're looking for the source of of help through a counselor, through a friend, or through maybe a substance, you're going to get yourself in deeper. Maybe you've, you've heard stories in real life about what we just read. Maybe, you're, maybe you've gone through something somewhat close. It doesn't matter. When you receive the Lord and when you give all of that up, He makes you a whole new person. But you must surrender and you must give in to Him. And by that you must be watered by the Word of God. So at this time, I want to go ahead and give the opportunity to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Because again, nobody gets through the Father except through Him. And that was through His words. So if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to repeat after me this prayer of salvation. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I, Lord, ask for you to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me. And, Lord, may I be a part of you, Lord, from now on. As I invite you into my heart, Lord, as my Father and my Lord. I thank you for having me, Lord. I thank you for receiving me, Lord is I am now one with you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Well, the greatest decisions in life you could ever make is, is your eternal decision. Your eternal decision to be with Him. And what more can, what more can be done? What more can be said? Because everything else that He gives to us is nothing more than a gift. So may you take the gifts... And may you take everything he gives you and be able to use it to the fullest of your advantage. May God keep and bless you always.